Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Thanks for listening at home. This is KBCO, Denver. Um, okay, so uh, we are in the, the, the handout called Sacrament of Penance. And if you remember, um, we went through all of the Sacrament of Confession a few weeks ago whenever I was teaching. Um, and today, today we're just going through the how-to. Because it sounds great. It sounds awesome. I want to be forgiven of my sins. Um, I want to encounter this sacrament of mercy, but then when we approach it, it's like, holy cow, where do I begin? And um, the how-to is fairly straightforward. And I'm just going to give you the brief skeletal outline, and then I'm going to tell you a few horror stories, both from myself and then things that you might be afraid of as well. So how do you begin? You walk into the confessional and you close the door. Sometimes people don't close the door because they're so excited to get in the confessional that they just jump right in and then they just say, well, Father, it's been this long. I'm like, shut the door, please. Okay? So, uh, and then you don't know where to begin. So the first line is, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Or some people say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Um, It's just an acknowledgement of this is why I'm here. The first words that you're saying is an acknowledgement of God's presence as well as your own sonship or daughterhood as well as our need for mercy bless me father for i have sinned it's been this long since my last confession and you don't have to go into great details like it's been three hours 45 minutes 20 seconds and nine months it's just it's been approximately eight weeks since my last confession it's been 25 years since i was baptized for you who are making your first confessions you would just say, Father, this is my first confession. I would, you know, and then you know, maybe tell them when you were baptized. Sometimes people are baptized later in life. Um, so you know, they don't have to deal with their 20s or 30s. Um, but, uh, but just tell them there. The other thing that you can tell the priest, especially if you are behind the screen, is just simply your state in life. I'm married. I have this many children. You do not have to go into great detail. It's just trying to ascertain, like, are these sins just you or do they affect another are you responsible for another you don't have to say like this is where i work this is where i live etc um so bless me father for i have sinned it's been this long since my last confession and then the priest may give you some encouragement you know may the lord be in your heart and on your lips that you may confess your sins with true sorrow the priest is praying for you he wants you to succeed he's not there to scowl at you sometimes there's a really long line of people And yes, I want to get through the line, but I'm trying to go person to person and meet them where they're at. If somebody gets in there and says, Father, it's been been like three days since my last confession. Either they just had a really bad three days or they just have a troubled conscience and they need some help. Um, But you're just trying to work with them. Um, So you just say, these are my sins. So the priest can only help you so far and then you have to say your sins. That means that you have prepared your sins. I didn't give you an examination of conscience. Um, I find them very helpful. Uh, We can give, did Father Matt already give you one? An examination of conscience? Just a list of sins to kind of, you know, prime the pump. Um, What's that? That sounds good. Yeah, exactly. You know, some like, you know, spicy ones once you get to, you know, the later ones. I'll, 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 uh, I'll tell him that. And I'll email, I'll email you or I'll print one off for you. There are some that are so scouring that it's like you've covered literally every sin in the book. 
And sometimes like, have I been nice to people? Did I take out the garbage? Um, have I ever lied about serious things? It's like, no, no, no. Man, I'm doing so good. Um, so you want it somewhere in the middle. You don't want it so light that it's like, oh man, I got off scot-free. But also so brutal that it's just like, oh my gosh, like I think I've sinned at every moment, at every second, all of my life. Um, so you have to prepare beforehand and know your sins. What are you obliged to confess? You are obliged to confess all of your mortal sins. What is a mortal sin? Did you guys go through this already, right? Yes. Does he put the fear of God in you? <laughs> okay. So mortal sin. What I tell people is this. You will know when you end up in Cleveland. Cleveland is someplace you don't want to end up. If you're from Cleveland, I'm sorry. That's just the example that I use. We can use any city, um, Chicago. But if you say, I don't want to end up in Cleveland, um, then don't get on the train to Cleveland. Don't look at the train times to Cleveland. Don't board the train to Cleveland. Don't ride the train to Cleveland for however many days, hours, weeks, months, years. And then all of a sudden say you're in Cleveland and be like, how did I get here? You're going to know when you're in mortal sin. And you're going to know the sins that are haunting you. That it's just like, I, I know that I did that deliberately, willingly, and it was serious. There are a number of sins that are grave matter that Father Matt's probably detailed. If you didn't do it deliberately, it can't be a mortal sin, right? If you did not know that missing mass was a mortal sin and like there was nothing inhibiting you, like some, some people might confess, I didn't go to mass on a holy day of obligation and it snowed six feet. It's like, you can't be obliged if you can't do it. So it's not to say there's no such thing as mortal sin. It's just to say you're going to know because you will have prepared beforehand. And if you need assistance, the priest will help you. I think it's better out than in. If you're nervous about it, just get it out of the way. You know. Um, so you say all of your mortal sins. Are you obliged to say all of your venial sins? No. You do not have to detail every single sin that you've ever done in your entire life. I stole baseball cards from the IGA whenever I was six years old. If I did not include that in my first confession, I wasn't withholding sins from the priest. Later in college, when I actually experienced for the first time mortal sin, um, if I were to withhold that, then I wouldn't actually be forgiven because it's integral to the confession that you have emptied your conscience. If there are sins that may seem small or trivial, and you're like, I, I know this sounds dumb and I don't believe it's a mortal sin, but I had a fight with a coworker and... I, I said something about her that I knew in confidence and I knew it would hurt her and I said it. I don't believe that God is going to cut you off forever from his love because you did that. You might be a turbo B, but uh, I don't think you're in mortal sin. Good that you confess it. Move on. Okay? So you say all of your sins as honestly and as contritely as you can. What do I mean by honestly and contritely? Not vague. Not vague, like, uh, you know, I may have uh, done a few things, Father. Okay, you know, like what? You know, I don't want to play like Columbo with your confession. Because I'm walking around in a very scary place for you and for me. And I don't want to stumble upon sins that you didn't even know were sins. So I prefer just you give me what you want to confess. Um, so that's honestly, uh, you should say your sins as clearly as possible. And if you can, use number and kind. I fell into drunkenness. I willingly got drunk um, on, I don't know, I was in college for six years, maybe three years after that, so for about nine years. It's fine. That's fine. 
you have a general idea. And, you, and the priest might ask you, was this every day? Was this every other day? Was it every week? Was it every month? Oh, just on the weekends, maybe two, three times a month. Okay. We're trying to establish a pattern because if, if you see like certain sins are far more serious as opposed to, well, how many times you get drunk? Oh, just like on my 25th birthday. And I mean, I've drank, but never to that point. Okay. Well, then that's just one. That's very different. Um, so that's honestly. Contritely is this. This is my character that I described as, um, uh, well, let's just call him Chicagoland because I knew this guy in college. So he would just be like, you know, father, like I did these things, you know, like there was, I mean, there was like, it was triple night at the bar and there were these girls, father, I mean, come on, what was I supposed to do? You know, like, I mean, I'm sorry. You're not sorry. And you're not talking to your bros about what you did. You're talking to Jesus. So that's very different. So if you're going to say your sins, you probably should wipe the smirk off your face. If that same person said to me, you know, I said this thing to my coworker and it felt so good. I mean, she, I just hate her. Okay, like you're not contrite. So maybe you need to take a few minutes outside the confessional to kind of get yourself together. Because what we're doing here is we're asking for forgiveness. Not just telling like what we've done. Um, that's honestly and contritely. Does that make sense? Um, so you're not just detailing your exploits. You're as honestly and as contritely detailing uh, the, the ways in which you've hurt yourself, hurt others, hurt God. Um, so then you get through all of your sins. Again, all of your major sins. Um, don't hide anything. Uh, one of the last lines, I found this line from this priest, Father Joshua Waltz. What you don't reveal, Christ can't heal. So you've got to be honest. And I've done that before where I've just said, you know what? I'm going to go with the blanket clause where I think that if I confess all these other sins and just withhold like the whopper that God's going to forgive me. The problem is I don't think you feel forgiven or I didn't feel forgiven. And it just kept happening. And at some point you just got to say, I know this sounds, this sounds crazy, but I've been to confession maybe six times. I've received communion all that time, and I haven't confessed one or two of my sins. And you'll, you'll just, it'll just transform the way you see it. Because it's like saying to Jesus, you can come into my living room. You can stand on my front porch. You can see my kitchen, because our kitchens are normally you know, like sanitary, so you can kind of see it wherever. But at some point, you've got to take Jesus into the crawl space. And just be like, here's the bodies. <laughs> it's true. And, and literally, I mean... It's amazing because oftentimes detailing everything about your sins and then you get to that part of the, your confession, confession where you're just like, I just cannot believe that I did that. The priest usually is listening and it's just he's seeing this whole kind of spectrum of sins. And then that one does fit in, but it's not like, oh my gosh, what the heck are you talking about? It's like, yeah, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense that that would happen. Not just sexual sin. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's violence. Sometimes it's theft. All of these things, they're not that exciting. Sin is not that exciting. What's beautiful is the portrait of the person behind the sins who's striving for good and limited by their, their weakness. And they're so fixated on their sins that they can't see that they're actually a, they're actually a remarkable person who's made great strides and you want to encourage that for them. Um, so, uh, so say your sins. And then when you're done, 
the kind of code word that you're done is for these and all my sins, I'm truly sorry. I think it says that on that sheet of paper or whatever, the cheat sheet. Um, the reason why is because the priest doesn't want to say, do you have any more sins? Because it can make it seem like, um, I don't believe you that you're done confessing. I think you've actually sinned more than that. Why don't you come up with a few more? But the priest has no idea how many times you've sinned. So he's just going to ask you like, you know, I usually, I've tried to say, I mean, I, I used to say, is there anything else? And then it's like, you know, you're just opening the door to whatever. Um, but the, uh, but I, I've said, have, are there any other sins you need to confess? Or what I'll say is, are, are there any other mortal sins that you need to confess? Because simple sins could be, you know, then you're just caught in the weeds. So for these and all my sins, I'm truly sorry. Um, and uh, so then you're done. You've confessed all your sins. At that point, you've given them all to Jesus. So then the priest is going to give you some counsel. In your first confession, you might need a little more counsel than you will in later confessions. Don't think that every time you go in there, it's going to be your like counseling session. The priest just wants to give you the encouragement of one, knowing that you are forgiven, two, that you're not defined by your sins, and three, that um, you, need to, you need to do these actions to kind of avoid either the near occasion of sin or these sins in the future. But no one will ever walk out of the confessional knowing I will never sin again, ever. The just man falls seven times daily, so you shouldn't be surprised by it. Um, so he's going to give you some uh, counsel, and then he's going to give you a penance to perform. Now, your idea of penance is probably like, oh my gosh, I am going to get spanked. Like, he is going to be so mad at me, and he's going to say, oh, you did all these things? Now watch this. I want you to do all these things. Mercy is not tit for tat. That's what I wrote. Uh, it's medicinal. Our penances are medicinal. They're supposed to help you. And you're going to, to, to confession because you're sick, which means you need help. So why would I want to assign you a huge penance just to weigh you down by it? Um, and oftentimes it's the simple penances. There we go. Good. Um, so uh, it helps us to right the wrong that has been done, right? So if you have, say you've struggled with uh, drinking for a long time and you're bringing it to the Lord, the priest is going to give you some counsel around like, have you ever thought of going to AA? Have you ever considered that you have an issue? He's not going to say you have to. He's just going to give you some counsel around it. But then for your penance, he might say, meditate on Jesus on the cross saying, I thirst. That's it. And you may say, well, what the heck? Like, I mean, I got drunk like, you know, five times or 20 times or whatever. Um, but the smaller penances can at times lead us to a deeper reflection on what is it that I'm really seeking in my sins? What is it that I really want? As opposed to, you know, just go and be a good little boy or a good little girl. So then after he assigns you your penance, which your penance may not necessarily uh, be able to be done right away. Like they may say, I want you to fast for one meal uh, over the next week, just only one meal. And you might say, oh my gosh, I'm not forgiven until I do that. You are forgiven when the words of absolution are pronounced over you. Uh, you are not forgiven when you do your penance. Say I assign you Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God, for you I long. For you my soul is thirsting. And you say, was it 63 or 64? I think it was 64. 
the numbers are really weird with Psalms. So you pray 64. And then later you find out it wasn't, I was supposed to do 63. I've never been forgiven. Oh my gosh. That's totally the devil. He, he makes it into a game where he wants to convince you that even though Jesus actually forgave you of your sins, you weren't actually forgiven of your sins. And more likely than not, you were forgiven of your sins. So don't dwell on them. Um, so uh, he gives you a penance. And then he says, please pray an act of contrition. And an act of contrition um, can be as simple as, and I'll, at some point I'll, I'll print you off a, a different one. My favorite one is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's it. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's, it's a reflection on the Pharisee and the publican where the guy is in the back of the church beating his breast saying, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It doesn't say in there, I promise, I promise, please, 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 I'll never do it again. It doesn't say anything of that. It just says, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or you can pray the other one, which is just as beautiful. Oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended you. Um, you have it written on that uh, sheet, um, uh, on the one that describes on how to go to confession. There's a number of different versions I would encourage you uh, to, to, uh, to try and memorize one, um, but don't be freaked out if it takes you a while. You know? The reason why you're easily able to remember acts of contrition is because you're going to confession a lot. And, uh, well, that was easy for me because I was in college. Um, and then I became a priest, and uh, I just hear it all the time. But for you, you may not memorize it, and that's okay. It's not, the point isn't I, you need to say the Catholic Pledge of Allegiance. The point is you should actually be sorry for your sins and the words that you choose should actually be conducive uh, to your contrition. So um, I'll find another one too because there's a beautiful one that's like, forgive me my sins, the sins of my youth, the sins of my age, the sins of my speech, the sins of uh, my indiscretion. Like it just goes through all these things. It's really nice. So, um, and then the priest, after hearing your act of contrition, uh, we'll pray the words of absolution over you. Uh, and I've, I've put down part of them because we always like to know when is the moment that I am forgiven? How can I know that I am forgiven? And the priest prays this long prayer. Um, God, the father of mercies through the death and resurrection of his son has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. This whole Trinitarian kind of formula. Through the ministry of the church, because the, the power of, to forgive sins has been administered by Christ to the church, through the ministry of the church, may God, who alone can forgive sins, give you pardon and peace, and I absolve you from your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Um, so the priest is saying, I absolve you. Just like in um, the, the sacrament of the Eucharist, this is my body. He's speaking in the person of Jesus. I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's the moment. And then that's the moment where the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah is said. Uh, through, though your sins be like scarlet, they may be, be as white as wool. Though they be crimson red, they may be white as wool. Um, so we hold on to our sins. We think, how could I ever be forgiven of this? How am I ever going to get past this? No one could ever transform this. And God is able to take what is just bloody awful and transform it into something Amazing. So uh, there's a great Jars of Clay song, if you like, uh, worship music, which is take this something normal and uh, change this something normal into something beautiful. Um, and sins are rather normal in a way. We, we just come become complacent with it. And God 
uses this horrible matter, this horrible kind of substance, and transforms it into the occasion where he's able to administer his life and his grace. So I'm certainly a believer in it. Um, so then the last things are just points, okay? That's just how to go to confession, okay? And then uh, after he prays absolution over you, he might say, your sins are forgiven, go in peace, or give thanks to the Lord for he is good, and then the person responds, your, his mercy endures forever. Um, and then he'll say, your sins are forgiven, go in peace, and you say thanks be to God. That's it, okay? And again, just to remind you, seal of confession. Priest mentions anything about your sin and your sin connecting back to you, and he could be excommunicated, right? Now, you may hear priests tell stories about confession. I think that's dangerous. They need to be very vague, you know? But, like, sometimes they'll say, like, I had a conversation. And you may think, oh, my gosh, that's confession. They're revealing it. Sometimes it can be in counseling, whatever. But, I mean, sometimes, like, I had a, I had a friend. I won't tell you where, but this little kid came into confession, and he said, um, I stole my brother's red Starburst, and I'm not sorry, because red are my favorite, you know? Now, hopefully you'll never be able to find that kid, um, but uh, it's a, the fact that I know that, I don't think excommunicates him. But just know, like, the priest is not disclosing the contents of your, of your confession. And honestly, you forget. Because if you look, there's usually about 20 other people in line or five other people in line. And you think you're that extraordinary. And the reality is... Um, you are, but when it comes to sins, they're, they're pretty ordinary. Um, and everybody, I mean, you could be sitting there on a Tuesday afternoon and you're going to get the whopper and just be like, okay, here we go. Um, and, but I just wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. So don't, this is my advice to you. Don't live the lie that you are your sin. Your identity is in Christ and you are a child of God. You always have to remember that because the devil thinks that by receiving your sins, by knowing your sins, he has cards against you. He's got a whole you know, dossier that he can kind of accuse you with. And he knows everything that you've done and everything that you've thought and everything that you've um, said or wanted to say. So you think the devil actually doesn't know your thoughts. Um, he's just very perceptive. Um, but what he begins to spin is you are your sin. You are a liar. You are a... Um, a thief, a tramp, uh, a jerk, a loser, a failure, whatever. I mean, I can, those are just the, the names that at times, you know, come up in my own head. And I can imagine, but that's not of God. Your identity is in Christ. You're a child of God. Um, so then uh, what I tell the kids uh, at times, either in confession or before they make their first confession, I'm like, do you know the story of the garbage man? Someday I'll write a children's book. Anybody who's good at writing a children's book, we can make a billion dollars. Um, but um, the story of the garbage man is, uh, you know, you had, do you know what you had last week for breakfast or, you know, lunch or whatever? At some point you put it in the garbage, right? And then you got garbage piled up, you put it in the garbage, take it out to the trash can, take it out to the curb. Garbage man comes on what, Tuesdays? You may not even know his name. And uh, he comes, takes away your garbage. Are you worried a week later or an hour later or two months later that he's going to come back and bring your garbage. No. Your, your garbage is gone. So why is it that after you are forgiven of your sins, you think, am I really forgiven? Are they, did I do everything right? Um, 
at some point is Jesus going to say, yeah, everything else that you did, fine, but that one thing, I know you confessed it, but I'm still PO'd about it. That's just, that's just the devil. And just trust in the garbage man. Garbage man doesn't bring your ego patties back to you. He doesn't bring your eggshells or your coffee grinds or, you know, you can get all, uh, you know, gnarly with it. It's gone. It's gone. And as I tell the kids, he's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The lamb of God takes away sins. We want to hold on to our sins. Jesus wants to take them away because our identity is not underneath our sins. Our identity is always in God. And our sins are sort of parasitic on that. But we can kind of move, move that away. So that's the garbage man. And then uh, just that quote from Father Joshua Waltz, what you don't reveal, Christ can't heal. Tell the doctor exactly where you need healing. Um, he has this great line. He's this priest that helps out with Y Disciple, um, which is this youth program, Catholic youth program. And it's like, if the doctor said to you, like, so what's wrong with you today? It's like, I hurt here. It's like, could you be a little more specific? It's like, yeah, it kind of hurts when I, you know, can't really help you, buddy. And uh, sin is kind of like that because ultimately the sin is where the wound is, like where the poison is gotten in. And we not only want to extract kind of the object, but even like extract the venom because sins can get infected. And then we start to believe that, okay, I committed that sin once, so therefore it's, it's all over me, and I'm, I'll just always be that. And that's really where there's an infection, and we've got to work against that. So you're kind of like a doctor for the soul. That's it. That's right. When people walk in, I'm like, they call me Dr. Love. <laughs> doctor of love. Anyways, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really soul food. It's medicine. Um, and it's, it's, it's general, uh, but it's also like specific. All sin is kind of ordinary, but your sin is particular to you. There can be a unique strain. That's why I think it's helpful for you to give your state in life. Because if you are, say, a mother, um, what, devil, what the devil loves doing is saying, you're a bad mother. You'll always be a bad mother. And all these other moms are so much better than you. And your sins begin to kind of warp into that. So if you just say to the priest, oh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm a mom. It's like, okay, I've seen this before. You know, he has his own like kind of dossier on um, whatever, moms, newlyweds, etc. Yeah. Two questions. Do you want me to stop it? No. Okay. Can we see what the confessional looks like? Yeah. And how do we know which priest is in? <laughs> uh, the, um, so... Uh, we use we use um, we use the same confessionals. Um, so Father Matt is on the right hand side. It has his name on it. Uh, mine's on the left hand side. It has my name on it. Um, at times there may be a visitor. Usually they're supposed to like put a visitor sign up. I have actually I can be totally honest about this. I have walked out of a confessional when I saw what the, who the priest was. Like I didn't know who it was, so I just walked in. I was like. I'm coming back later, you know, because uh, there's just some people that, uh, yeah, it's just hard. But then at some point you have to say, am I confessing to a priest or am I confessing to Jesus? And I have gone to a priest that I could not stand in college. He told my girlfriend we shouldn't be in the same room together because bad things might happen like alone. What the frick did he know? He knew a lot, okay? And I was angry at him. I was angry at him that he told my girlfriend that. Now, 
I think there was a different way that he could have done that. Um, but ultimately, I went to confession to him, not for that issue. Um, but, uh, but I had to say to him in the confessional, I've, I've judged you in my heart, and I'm sorry for that. And that was helpful for me uh, to be able to say it. One, to his face. Two, in confession. Three, under the seal of confession so he could never talk to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can see the confessional. And um, so, again, you always have the option of going either behind the screen or face-to-face. I would encourage you, if you are drawn to one or the other, to try one or the other at some point in your newly Catholic life. Don't just get in the habit of, I'm never doing one or the other. Because it might actually be very helpful. And I've had some people say, I would never go behind the screen. And then they do it. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so liberating. Or I would never go face to face. And then again, uh, it can be helpful. So um, our confessionals here are not my favorite. Um, I, if somebody's an interior decorator, they are welcome to choose a different color or lighting or paint um, in, the, in the chapel. But ultimately, kneeler, you can kneel, stand, sit, if you go on the other side, I'd prefer that you stand like if you're face-to-face with me. Um, so um, I just don't think it would, I just think it would be awkward if somebody was like standing over me. But if that's what you're comfortable with, fine. Okay. And then the last thing is um, I just put some resources on confession. It's a shameless plug, but I think it's helpful. I looked up the ones that we did. Um, as you might know, I do a podcast with uh, Father John Neppel, Father Mike Rapp, Father Michael Lachlan. We're all priests either in Colorado or of the Denver Diocese. Um, and we've done maybe like six or seven on confession. And some of them are really good. Um, the seal of confession one I was just listening to today. And I was just like, oh my gosh, we are so funny. Um, uh, there's another one. I don't know if it comes up on there, but St. John Nepomucene is the patron saint of, of confessors because he refused to disclose, disclose the contents of the confession to, some, to the king, actually. And he was killed for it. Um, and then just how to go to confession, whatever else. So they're helpful. You can listen to them in your car. It's Lent. You know, turn off KBCO and listen to something else. Did you have a question? Yeah. Oh. Sure. Um, so, yeah. Um, good? You good? Oh, no, you don't. Turn okay. What if you're not sorry for your sins? Yeah, that's where it kind of gets, uh, that's where it kind of gets, like, you pull the plug on it. It's like, dude, I'm so ready to, to forgive. Um, I'm so ready to work with somebody uh, who wants forgiveness. But if they're not contrite, if they're not sorry, that kind of shortchanges all of the other ones. Now, here's the, here's the thing. You don't have to be perfectly sorry. Okay? So say somebody, say somebody hurt you or somebody you loved. Like, you know, say you knew somebody who was abused sexually, physically, whatever. Um, and you were like, I hate that person. And I'm here to, to confess. I'm, I've, I'm confessing anger for being angry at that person. And even, even some, even a lot of hatred. I would still say to that person, would you, if Jesus told you, um, after a number of years, you can't hold on to this forever, would you release it to me? Would you do it? And they said, maybe. I'd say, okay, that's, that's imperfect contrition, which is sufficient. Imperfect contrition is, I don't fully understand what I did, and I'm not fully sorry, but I want to be, and I desire to be. Okay, I can work with that. 
If it's no, I don't. I don't care. I don't. I don't care what happened to me or to that person. Uh, they deserved it. It's like so. Then at times you have to just work to get them to say something that's just like you know even close to the line. But you know, uh, Jesus says. I think it was even the gospel for today. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart, neither will you be forgiven. Um, so it's kind of a requisite uh, need for confession. But again, it doesn't have to be perfect. So if you go in there and you just be honest and just say, look, I, I, I still feel bad. But I feel bad. I'm angry. But I don't know how sorry I am.